Well, hello, EKN Nation, a new edition of our EKN Debrief. It is episode number 102. It's Tuesday, October the 4th, uh, 2022, into Q4 of the season. Uh, the event, of course, talking about today, one of the biggest events we'll have throughout the entire 2022 season, maybe and in terms of sprint karting, the probably second largest race of the year. The Cup Karts North American Grand Nationals, the biggest four-cycle sprint kart race in the world. Uh, Newcastle Motorsports Park, uh, home to the event this past weekend. What a battle it was. Uh, fantastic weekend all around. Uh, we'll jump into it momentarily. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole and Nate Dean. Today's show presented by Briggs Racing. Briggs and Stratton is powering Operation Grassroots around the world. No other engine manufacturer is getting new and returning drivers to the car track like the Briggs 206. The end-of-the-box performance of the Briggs 206 provides the most fun, excitement, and reliability of any karting engine on the global market. Learn more about the 206 engine and the history behind Briggs & Stratton's commitment to motorsports at BriggsRacing.com or on Instagram at RaceBriggs. All right, guys, let's get this thing underway. First event for the three of us to be trackside together. Nate, of course, coming on board a couple of months ago. And he was handling most of our ECAN trackside coverage with the top 10s, you name it. Uh, but David Cole, you and I had a chance to go racing. This year's Cup Karts North America Grand National Six, a tremendous success. It certainly was. You know, record year, a record event uh, once again as it continues to just grow and grow. Um, and, and a unique event in the fact that it never rained. It never got, I mean, it got a little cloudy at one point, but that was just a little overcast. But sunny and dry all four days on the racetrack. So we actually got to never take out the rain tires aside aside from checking them in. And so it was a good thing uh, all weekend long. And just, again, you know, the Briggs and Stratton 206 power plant, the focus of the event, all, you know, 385 entries aboard uh, those, that engine power plant, just amazing program that it's become over the six different, six different events of it. Uh, just for archive's sake, the event uh, on September 29 to October 2nd this past weekend at Newcastle Motorsports Park. And as I had said, the largest Briggs and Stratton only event in North America and the world as that is. And as David said, fantastic weather, uh, some pretty good numbers as well. But but Nate, uh, what did you think, man? Overall, a pretty tremendous event. You were out there taking photos you know, for every session. The racing was just tremendous all weekend long. Yeah, it was my first time coming to a Grand Nationals, and obviously there being six of them, so a lot of time for that uh, program and for that race to progress, and they've really made a really incredible product at with uh, the Cup Cards North America, and yeah, incredible racing. I think you said me doing the top 10s, I only had to the gaps there was only like a couple races that were separated by more than a second it was always by a couple tenths or a couple yeah. hundreds so incredible racing on track yeah we'll talk a lot about it when we get to talk about the racing but the draft obviously plays a huge role when you're having a, a lower horsepower uh category draft at any time you go to uh newcastle works with a couple of long straightaways and indeed for us as well the draft was big you saw a lot of packs of drivers and not surprisingly guys would get away out front packs of three four five able to get away. Uh, David, you actually crunched through the numbers again, went through qualifying. They talked about potentially getting over over 400 entries, but I think a little less than that in terms of the drivers who actually qualified, maybe some cancellations, guys not coming up. Uh, but, but David, 385 uh, entries that you counted on qualifying, it's still the record for the Cup Cards North America Grand Nationals. Yeah, by a number of 10, 10 more than what we had in 2021. So again, setting another record, 
uh, for the fourth straight year of, of, of record attendance. So, so that's the positive. It was announced at the driver's meeting. 409 was the number. I'm assuming those are the cancellations. Obviously, there were some drivers who didn't come up from Florida yep. with, uh, you know, the hurricane that that happened there. So, you know, you can think of at least two or three drivers in that. And that that quickly adds up, you know, with multiple uh, entries there. So, um, but yeah, 385 is, is the number set uh, following the eight categories that uh, – uh, once qualifying was completed with the largest being senior medium once again, this time getting up to 72. So not quite a record for that. We had 73 in 2020, uh, ironically, the COVID year, which was, yeah. uh, you know, again, it's so it's been 71, 73, 63 last year and now 72. So uh, again, senior medium, the headline category for for the Cup Cards Grand Nationals once again. Here's a pretty cool cross-section if you're just going to look at the numbers as well. 15 drivers in kid carts. Of course, those young drivers just getting a feel for karting. They run a smaller track there, but awesome to have them there. 55 in sportsmen, 51 in juniors. So let's say under 15 years of age, you're looking at a pretty solid total there of, oh, what, over 115 drivers, right? To, to a certain point, 116. Yeah, 116 drivers under 15. Then you've got this senior light, senior medium, senior heavy, 68 in light. 72 in medium, which is kind of the middle ground, and then 40 drivers running the heavy category. And how about the amount of drivers over 35 years of age? So Masters and Legends lining up for 84 drivers. David, we talk about Masters racing nationally a lot with everything we cover, and it's on the downside right now. There's, you know, We're not seeing a lot of Masters drivers run big national programs. Uh, I think we'll see a lot, of course, in the Super Nationals. But this is big numbers for four-cycle racing to have uh, 84 Masters drivers. Now, maybe a little bit less because a couple of guys did double duty, but that's some pretty good numbers for 35 and up, too. Yeah, you have to look at senior and masters. Those are the only, and legends, those are the only categories where you can have drivers doing multiple races. And we talked with Race Select prior to the weekend. There were over 50 drivers who did do double duty. So you're talking about drivers doing light and medium or possibly doing medium heavy or even the heavy to masters. And we even saw masters and legends. Uh, drivers doing double duty there so yeah again overall you're you're looking at hundreds of drivers just filling up those five categories and and it was yeah it's great to see the the masters and legends and i think that boils back to you know what briggs and stratton racing really is it's yeah. grassroots level racing and that's where you know again depending on economy depending on other different factors people you know are are electing to stay home a little bit more or 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 be at that a different level of budget racing and certainly you know Briggs and Stratton provides you know the entry level program but also a budget a great budget uh avenue for for motorsports as well David I'll also throw in the physicality of it as well the older <laughs> you get it's yeah. tougher you know <laughs> as you as you said my arms are still hurting from my arms two days sore. ago <laughs> yeah two days of my arms are still a bit sore uh indeed uh so again folks as we get things underway cup carts north america grand national six great weekend uh sunny and dry a little cooler in the morning but we got nice temperatures midday big numbers all in all just a tremendous event when we get back we'll talk about some of the stuff off the racetrack we have our edition of the paddock pass before we dive into the race report don't go anywhere just underway with this edition of the ekn debrief it all started in 1994 when former successful kart driver albino perlin decided to move his passion for karting from the track to his small workshop 
That's when Paralyn was born. Fast forward 20 years and Paralyn's passion for the sport led to the company rejoining international competitions as a factory team in WSK and CIK FIA races with the aim of enhancing the research and development process, immediately achieving notable results around Europe, North America, and Asia, becoming the CIK FIA Asia Pacific KZ champion in the same year. Parallel USA is North America's source for Parallel products, and we run a factory team at all of the major Supercarts USA and Rock Cup USA events. The Parallel chassis lineup for 2021 includes the Invader Shifter, the Le Mans tag single-speed chassis for junior and senior classes, and the 28mm mini cart for the cadet classes. Parallel has been winning races all over the world. And it's on top of the podium in the USA as well, with drivers like Kai Sorensen, Mateus Arjuela, and Alessandro de Tullio. Get on the chassis that's winning. Drive a Parolin. For more information, head to ParolinUSA.com. Motor mounts are critical to producing 100% of the power your engine has to get you on the podium each and every time. Odenthal Racing Products provide the best motor mounts in the karting market today. Odenthal Racing Products is a family-owned and operated business with decades of karting experience, providing products with unmatched quality and value for the karting market. Our newest product is the Pro Series mount for two-cycle engines, available in 0, 5, and 8-degree angles, providing a rigid structure to help keep vibration to a medium with fins underneath to help dissipate heat off the engine. Our four-cycle EZ set is one of the most popular mounts for the Briggs & Stratton 206 power plant. Multiple mounting holes provide the most adjustability, depending on your chassis and seat placement. To ensure a tight fit to your chassis, ORP wedge clamps get the job done, featuring a number of updates to its design for a lower profile and lighter weight. The clamps are available from 28mm to 32mm in both standard and Euro sizes. Head to OdenthalRacing.com and find a dealer near you. Odenthal Racing Products, made in the USA. Welcome back to episode 102 of our EKN Debrief, our race report podcast here on the EKN Radio Network and on all the podcast platforms. Today talking about the Cup Carts North America Grand National 6 at Newcastle Motorsports Park. Rob Haddon, David Cole, and Nate Dean here diving into the weekend's action. Let's jump into the paddock pass. We've got a bunch of stuff for you that kind of away more away from the racetrack to a certain extent. Uh, this edition of the paddock pass presented by Acceleration Cart Racing. Acceleration Cart Racing has everything you need to go racing, from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from and cart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of cart racing under their belts, Acceleration Cart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the track. You can rely on them to get the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Cart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. Head to www.shopakr.com. All right, David, let's bring you in with this one here. Bottom line is, you said it from the get-go, uh, first year with no rain in the last four events. It's all in all, pretty cool weekend. Yeah, this is the first opportunity we got to run the Vega tires throughout the entire event on the, the, the dry setup. Uh, you know, we had uh, rainstorms come and go through, from 2019 all the way to last year, uh, including some of the main events and heat races. 
Um, I don't think we ever really had qualifying in the wet. So a lot of the racing has been done uh, over the last four years in the wet. So thankfully this year, uh, again, no wet weather. We had a bit of overcast, I think, Sunday morning. So it was a bit cooler Saturday morning as well. But just to just to be able to kind of test, again, the uh, see where the Vega tires were would go because again this is a unique event being you know three heat races main event including qualifying as well so a lot of on track laps um what i do i did 80 in two categories so you're at least 40 laps per category so that's uh that's a lot of laps to to put on a tire and it's a you know it's not the the hard tires that uh you know old briggs or old four cycle racing has been used to so it, it, it's good. It was good test to kind of see, you know, the longevity and it certainly lasted because lap times did not fall uh, that much off qualifying pace. So a, a good little test for the Vega tires. Yeah, Nate, here's another one that I thought was interesting. Maybe a testament to the growth now of this event and the draw and its prestige within the sport. It, we saw a really, really good mix of the two cycle regulars, the stars of probably the four cycle regulars, the stars of actually Briggs 206 racing, guys that focus just on that. Plus, we had a bunch of two cycle stars, guys that you see on the national level come into play, right? You got a Paulie Massimino, uh, guys like Austin Garrison. There was a bunch of big names from the two cycle world coming into this event as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, obviously those guys are incredibly competitive in their own right when it comes to two-cycle racing, making the switch to four-cycle. There are some small things you change in terms of racing. I talked to Brennan Lemke a lot throughout the weekend, and he was talking about that. There are some things he needed to change in his driving style and the way he races to actually be competitive in those four-cycle categories, what she ran in light and medium. But most of them did fairly well. Massimino had a good run in medium, was later disqualified for in tech for other reasons, but on track did very well. Same with Jarsacrack, Lemke, and all of the two cycle regulars, as we'll say. Yeah, Dave, guys that we talk about when we're on, you know, at the USPKS races, at the Supercarts USA races, we saw those guys really dialing it in and, and going elbow to elbow with the, with the top guys in 206. Yeah, it, again, like Nate said, just a great mixture of of four cycle top four cycle guys and the two cycle guys. I got to work under with with Paulie Massimino and and Nicholas Strelecki uh, under the LSR CRG Nordam tent. So it's kind of good to kind of hear their feedback and and again, you know, not lifting. That's a, that's a big major <laughs> major thing in, in four cycle racing. Again, because you, you it's. Again, it's about momentum. I think because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, those two drivers, along with a lot of the two cycle drivers that were have were were at the event, you know, they did a lot of Yamaha racing, a lot of sportsman racing, or you know, so they understand the the terms of momentum and carrying that and keeping the momentum going. Uh, you know, they're not just guys who just jumped into X thirty and started racing that yeah. way. So, so they have they had they understand the concept. It's just a matter of of making that switch from, you know, of, of you know, obviously different type of racing and, and trying to, uh, to lay down fast laps a certain way. Yeah. I, you know, I, I had a guy under my tent as well, not so much a, like a front running lead headline class guy, but David Galonia, who David, we know we've watched oh. him run, run X 30 masters, right? He's a yeah, fast driver, former champion at USPKS. Exactly. And the, and the, the race was like, I got to go try this race. I got this weekend off. <laughs> I want to put a deal together. He hooks up with John Seglum and, and Brandon Jarrett, crack gets an arrive and drive and rolls in and gets a chance to have some fun. And it was like, you know, obviously, the week, one of the things about the, I'll throw this about the weekend, and we didn't talk about it before, but it, it really was, the timing was really laid back. If you only ran one class, obviously, David, you were double mm -hmm. duty. 
but me only running the one class, David said the same thing. Um, you know, we had sometimes two to three hours between sessions, right? So we're right. kind of just hanging out, relaxing a little bit, getting to enjoy it. But I thought, I just thought it was really cool to see a bunch of, bunch of the big names from national racing, two cycle racing come out as, as well. Just a really good cross section. Well, kind of, kind of to expand on that, the, the time element it's it, because it's very similar to say the Rotax grand nationals or the Supercarts USA, super nationals, or even say rock cup USA, the rock Vegas events, just anything, anytime you have a one final weekend, there's a lot more racing going on per category. Um, because you have the heat split up. So it, it, it adds time to in between sessions. So, um, so yeah, it's a different, if it's a, it's a different feel from that, that two final format, because I think a lot of people have gotten used to that. So when you do get to that one final per weekend, when you got the multiple heat races, it, it, there, it adds certainly a lot of time in between sessions. So it's good for bench racing. Uh, but it might, you know, some people just aren't used to that. They, they need that rhythm to be going and going and going. So, um, so yeah, I, it certainly helped me doing double duty because it, it kept me focused and trying to, uh, to get better. I think if I would have sat back and, and only done the one, it, it would have been a little bit harder to turn that switch back on and off. What uh, was also a great mix was when you're looking at the chassis, as we do in any one of our debriefs at the end of it, you know, we'll talk about the, uh, the chassis, which ones we're able to win, but David just, uh, and Nate, just looking at the overview of the chassis program, the four cycle deal has always been, you know, kind of a home for a lot of the domestic American ma manufacturers, right? So, uh, yeah, there, you saw the Burrells out there. You saw the OTKs out there, some drivers on Cart Republic. Uh, but man, it was, it's obviously anytime you run this level, this kind of a, a, a program, you're going to see the Coyotes, the MGMs, Ionic Edge, invader margay you know there's the american brands able to step to the forefront it was so cool to be able to me being in one as well driving the coyote it was it's just cool to see the american brands doing so well uh, and we've seen that with four cycle racing since its inception you know the uh the the american you know, again you know karting was formed here in the u.s back in 1956 california so karting has been here for a very long time it's I think the manufacturers have obviously focused on the grassroots level. Um, it's because of the the way the European manufacturers are able to mass produce. It's just a little bit different. And and I think the USA manufacturers are more hands-on, you know, yep. kind of very similar to what the Briggs and Stratton is. You know, it's hand, it's put together by hand and each each one is assembled uh, it in, in shop. So I think that's kind of where the American side of things goes. And yeah, as you mentioned, I think this event, the Cup Cards North America Grand Nationals, it has a, the most diverse uh, range in terms of chassis because there's you have all the European uh, style chassis coming here, all the Americans. So I, I, you got to think at least 20 different brands racing here uh, under the week uh, on the weekend. Again, this is the addition of our paddock pass, a little insider information. One of the little bits I got, David, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out here because I heard heard it in passing to a certain extent. Um, I'll, I'll preface it by the fact that you and I talked to Greg Jasperson at the end of the weekend. Everything's all said and done. We were thanking him for the hospitality and congratulating him on a great event. You actually asked him, you know, what's up for next year. And I think I think by the end of the weekend, David, he was probably pretty slammed in terms of being exhausted. Like, I'll just, we'll talk about next year in a bit. <laughs> but I did hear a rumor. Somebody talked about a potential for a Cup Carts North America Northeast program, which I thought was really interesting, right? We have, they've got the North program, the South program. They launched Cup Carts Canada this year, which, uh, and we'll talk about that as well, that they, that they, Cup Carts Canada, 
actually releasing a three uh, three event schedule for this year or for, for next year for 2023. But I did hear word, word of potential Cup Carts Northeast. Uh, did that happen across your path as well? You know, I, I I remember seeing something about the the Canadian schedule getting released, and that was that was something I did miss on talking to uh, Gerald Casely uh, Casely uh, about to to learn more. But that's something obviously we'll we'll kind of dive into over the next week uh, to to get the full details and and make sure that's promoted as as much as we can. But yeah, regarding the Northeast, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, again, we we got the South that was just created. You know, Brett Spotty is behind that program underneath the, the Cup Cards North America banner. And it's seen a good growth over, you know, from the first year to the second year. And so, you know, again, Briggs and Stratton Racing is about grassroots level. And why not, you know, start putting together, you know, a bunch of racers to get together. Again, you only need, you know, only need, I think, 10, 10 cart classes are good enough. And you put, put together, a, you know, three to four race schedule. And, and you got yourselves a, a, a divisional yeah. and, and that that's as it. long as you got good tracks that are going to work together, you got good staff that's going to be making sure things are done fair and, and proper. Uh, why not? You know, it, it can only help to get more people uh, involved with cup cards and also just involved with, uh, you know, the four cycle side of things as well, too. Nate, did you happen to hear anything about that as well? I know you were out and about throughout the paddock quite a bit. Uh, no, I didn't hear much about that <laughs> with, uh, how busy my weekend was, but I think it would be cool. It would be cool yeah. that, I mean, cup carts obviously expanding so, so much in the past couple of years. And obviously it's a successful program. And if they were to do that, that would probably be even more entries for the grand net seven next year. I know yeah. some of the higher ups were shooting. I heard four fifty next year as a goal that's, and it's a goal? big goal, but it with, that new series that could potentially be forming and four cycle racing continuing to grow in North America. I don't think it's out of the doubt. So just to throw it out there, I'm, I'm on the Facebook page right now. Gerald Casey from cup carts, Canada division did post uh, yesterday that the, what they've got right now is a June, June 10th, 11th event at Trois Revoir, three rivers, July 8th, and 9th at Lombardi track in Ontario and August 5th and 5th to 6th. At Goodwood, so that's the uh, that's the lineup we got from the guys at Cup Carts Canada, which are very interesting. Uh, continuing into this edition of the Paddock Pass, David and I, this is not I got a chance to run with him. In fact, he was my goose to my maverick. We, he was my wingman <laughs> through the main event. But talk about cool! We're talking about Briggs and Stratton, Briggs Racing. Dan Roach, who's the director essentially of motorsports for Briggs, uh, was there and racing this weekend. Not only was he there to promote the product, but he was actually racing the product, which I think is amazing. It's it's like us getting out and getting a chance to race with eCardi News. Dan Roach was in the Legends class with me, pushed me around for half of the uh, the main event on Sunday. I just think that's a really, really cool addition to this weekend. Yeah, why not understand, you know, what the competitors are feeling and 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 what they go through through the the grand nationals then to race it you know that's why we've we've done it yep. to to under not only for personal reasons but to you know to understand what the races are racers are going through and and to to be there firsthand so so to see dan behind the wheel you know he we we know he's been a longtime racer and certainly one of the test drivers for briggs and stratton as yeah. well too at the briggs and stratton motorplex up there at uh, at road america as well so um, yeah, it was great to see him again. I, I didn't, nobody, nobody knew, I don't think 
until what I think I was going to see you on grid for your first practice session. Lo and behold, he's standing there in a race suit. Yeah, <laughs> so, he, remember he he had entered though, but under 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 a pseudonym, right? Okay, because yes, he, that an anagram. Yes, that and and no. How, how are you going to pick that out? Because literally, nobody looks at the legends and, and us putting your name in there. You know, kind of threw everybody off. So yeah, yeah. So um, the, the anagram was the name was Red Nacho. Yes. So he using all the letters from his name. It was red. It wasn't Dan Roach. It was Red Nacho, which I thought was flipping hilarious. And and, yeah. and now that I see it, it's literally above your name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, again, Dan Dan and I had a great time. He was pushing me like crazy, and, and we, we we moved forward for sure. And he was uh, he probably would have been top ten with as I would would have or even closer. Uh, but got uh, just a little bit of contact as he was trying to go around the outside of one of the guys I was going to the inside of. So, um, but yeah, it was so cool to see him there. But again, Dan's there and we were all there, which I think was really cool as well. First time since Nate started with us quite a, four months ago now, uh, we had the full ecardinews.com crew there. You know, David, you and I were racing. Uh, we t- kind of tag teamed the article a little bit yesterday. We all, you guys were all driving home, but Nate, you were there. How, what were your thoughts on your first full weekend running the trackside program? It was good. It was for an event this big and with how fast the classes come at you, it was a bit of a trial by fire, but it was it was fun. It was nice to meet a lot of the CKNA staff, meet you guys in person for the first time with all three of us. And yeah, a lot more of these to come. So a great first outing. Dave, did it feel good to see somebody else doing your job realizing how what is what what, how much busting your ass are going from track? Because because obviously this every time we put the top ten down, folks. If you don't know this, the photo you usually see with the top ten comes from that session. David runs out, shoots it, comes back, unloads the the uh, the file, fires it back up, gets that photo. Is it, is it good, David, to see somebody else now understanding your plate? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes and no. I will say I, I kind of miss it because it's you know it's always that one thing that I've do, I do race weekends and so yeah normally I would do it Sunday during the main events I would because of the whole hectic schedule that is practice and heats and everything I would wait till the till the main events and so yeah it was a bit weird not doing that so I I went out and did some videos and a couple photos for Instagram so I at least did some work this weekend because I didn't want to feel like I was the the third leg that was doing nothing all weekend long uh but yeah it was it was unique to to watch him but I think he obviously has a little bit more uh advancement with the phone because I like to do all my work on the laptop and he's quick with the phone work so uh he was right there I literally came off the scales uh, in the senior heavy, I think qualifying session, I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm taking photos and posting the top 10. I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess you can do that. With your phone. <laughs> <laughs> he, can, he can also make really cool P26 graphics at dinner. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, see, that's see, I set myself, I set myself up for this. You stuff. did. You did. That was a, that was a hanging curveball, David. Sorry it to was. tell you. It All was. right, listen, let's get uh, time to dive into the race report. We got uh, eight categories that ran main events on Sunday at the cup carts, North America, grand nationals. After this quick break, we'll dive into senior medium C and senior light. That'll be the two we do first. Stay tuned. All over the karting world, everyone knows OTK is the gold standard for quality and performance. In the U.S., OTK USA is the source for all things OTK. From the legendary Tony Kart brand 
to the race-winning Cosmic and Xpree chassis, and now the new Red Speed and EOS brands, OTK quality is second to none. All five brands are winning races and championships across the country in national programs like the Rock Cup USA Florida Winter Tour and the Challenge of the Americas, the Scusa Pro Tour and Winter Series, and the Pro Kart Challenge, the United States Pro Kart Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup. And OTK products are also front and center on the podium of club and regional races from coast to coast. To learn more about a specific product line, you can find the OTK USA dealer near you, whether it's Tony Kart, Cosmic, Xfree, Red Speed, or EOS, visit www.otkusa.com. Specific chassis territories are still available, so kart shops interested in adding a winning component to their product lineups can contact OTK USA directly. You can buy all the latest and greatest products on the market. But when you're karting to win, it boils down to one thing. You, the driver. Gain the knowledge and abilities by investing in yourself at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy, and you'll find those extra tenths of a second you need to put yourself on the podium. The school was established by Supercarts USA Hall of Fame driver Allen Rudolph, with decades of victories and championships in multiple forms of the sport, including other disciplines of racing. Allen Rudolph Racing Academy, located at the Speed Sports Racing Park in the metropolitan Houston area, is designed to teach driving skills at all levels. The instructors of the academy have decades of racing experience and educating drivers of all ages. Classes at the academy will teach the concepts and skills needed both behind the wheel and off the track. From the beginning kart racing experience and intro to karting courses, to their advanced one-day and two-day courses and karting clinics, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy can improve the skills of any driver. For more information on the specific programs that the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy can provide for you, head to speedsports.com and click on the Racing Academy page. Be sure to follow the Academy on social media by searching for Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Welcome back to episode 102 of the EKN Debrief, our post-event race report podcast here on the EKN Radio Network. Time to dive into the race report of the sixth running of the Cup Carts North American Grand Nationals. Rob Howden, David Cole, and Nate Dean here with you. Uh, we'll start with the presenting sponsor of this race report section, Race Lab. The new face of competitive karting in the Pacific Northwest region is Race Lab. The full-service karting operation is located at the state-of-the-art Kartplex facility in all over British Columbia, Canada, providing everything you need to hit the track or put yourself in a successful driver development program. Race Lab is the official North American distributor for the TV Kart chassis brand, providing the full range of models from Kid Kart to Shifter Kart. Villeneuve Racing Karts is their flagship product, available only through Race Lab. The brand carries the name of Formula One champion and Indianapolis 500 winner Jacques Villeneuve, with each model produced by TV Cart. Follow Race Lab on social media on both Facebook and Instagram or load up their website at www.theracelab.ca to learn more about TV Cart and Villeneuve Racing Carts. Race Lab, race with us, win with us. All right, guys, we're, let's start off with the big show. Senior medium, 72 entries. Uh, David, some big winners in the past. Colin Warren, who was a factor throughout the weekend. Jeremy Warren. Uh, the legend Gary Lawson, Jordan Pryor, Jacob Donald, and uh, we already mentioned uh, Colin Warren had, had won twice in the category. Uh, 72 
drivers in the field. And when I got a chance to be on the mic just briefly with uh, with Dave McIntyre, we just kept saying because of because light drivers running light and medium, and heavy drivers running heavy and medium, the senior medium class truly an all star race for four cycle racing in North America. Certainly is, and. Yeah, you get the biggest numbers in this category, and it's a great mix of young talent, veteran drivers, and and and, and grassroots racers al- along those lights as well, too. So, uh, you know, and, and certainly going throughout the weekend, it looked to be anybody's race because we saw six different winners win in the six different heat races. So let's begin with James Overback, last year's junior champ- champion at the Grand Nationals actually coming out and laying down the fast lap and qualifying a 112.894 lap time to be able to set the fast time and be the the pole sitter for all three of his heat races. He was actually only able to win one of them with Mick Gabriel, uh, Keegan Clark, Race Liberante, Brandon Lemke, and Colin Warren all taking a win in the heat races. So that alone just sets this category up to be anybody's going into the main event. Yeah, uh, let's have a look at the grid, David. Uh, then we'll get Nate kind of rolling stuff. As he watched all these races as well. You and I were kind of busy doing our deal, but Overbeck, it's just super impressive for me for the, the entire weekend. I was really, really impressed by how well he raced, but rolls off as P1 with Gabriel alongside him. That was an exciting start to that race. Yeah, it was. And eventually it got down to just being three drivers up front. That included uh, uh, Gabriel, uh Warren and uh, and Overbeck, they were kind of essentially nose to tail working together. I think that's one of the key things when you're up front. If you're able to work together, you can get rid rid of some people if they start racing. And that's exactly what happened. I think lap seven, like uh, I would believe it was um, Jonathan Treadwell, who was trying to get some positions, a little bit of contact. Boom. Top three drivers yeah. able to get away. And that essentially, you know, they ran nose to tail that that entire distance till the last lap. And that's when the things kind of went crazy and wild. Uh, Mick Gabriel went for the pass. I think it was Warren that was actually leading the way for most most of the race. So Gabriel made his move there in the cell tower corner, uh, taking over the lead, uh, allowing Overback to kind of try and come through. So there were a little bit of side by side action through the kink and then coming down uh, through the next corner as well. The downhill left there. And so that kind of set up uh, Gabriel with a little bit of cushion as he came up to scoreboard and then got through the final corners, really no pressure and was able to cross the line leading just the, I believe it was the only lap he led. Let me double check that. But the uh, Gabriel able to lead across the start finish line with the checkered flags waving uh, for his first cup cards, North America grand nationals victory. Yeah, Overbeck ends up finishing second, Colin Warren third, Brandon Lemke in fourth, and Keegan Clark rounding out the top five. It was a great battle. It was one of those ones you knew was going to come to a, the, the last lap, right? That They were running really smart. Gabriel wasn't uh, going anywhere. They were all just kind of hanging and holding on to their spots and just biding their time to wait for it all to play out at the end. And indeed, uh, just, just over a tenth of a second the win for Gabriel. Did he indeed not lead only the last lap, David? Did you get a chance to check that? Yeah, he led a couple in the early part okay. there All after right. Overeck led the opening circuit, uh, but then it was uh, then it was Warren that led from lap four all the way to the white flag till that last lap battle. So Mick Gabriel and the EOS winning there. Nate, we'll let you take point here on the senior light category. Sixty eight uh, entries in total. They launched this this race, the, this category, the light class, back in twenty twenty, and Colin Warren has won both years and was in the fight once again. 
Uh, walk us through how things shook down this one here, Nate. Yeah, so like you said, 68 entries, one of the bigger classes on the weekend was new for 2020. Had Colin Warren is head of a hold on the wind for this one the past two years. He won it in 2020 and 2021. Gabe Sessler, though, on what I believe was he was on the EOS this year, set down pole over prior Gabriel Lemke and Lincell for Friday qualifying. Heat wins. Those are going to Jordan Pryor, Warren, Lemke, Overbeck, Dylan Amundsen, Brandon Jarsakrak. Again, some big names within two-cycle and four-cycle racing all showing their pace throughout the weekend. And it was really going into Sunday's feature. You never really knew who was going to take it. The grid for that, Overbeck and Lemke were on the front row. Then Sessler and Pryor on the second. Warren, who won the past two years, had his work cut out for him. Starting on the third row. A as with all the classes, it was a big fight at the start, kind of lulled in the middle and then fired back up at the end. And in the end, it was Jordan Pryor, the Canadian, who came back to cup carts for the first time since the Canadian border closures pre-COVID to win his second Grand Nats, because I believe he won in 2019. So again, Jordan Pryor taking the win there. Colin Warren just one spot short of getting the hat trick, making it three years in a row. Dylan Amundsen in third. Austin Jers, who had a bit of a quiet weekend, really came out in stride in fourth. And then Mick Gabriel came fifth for senior light. Hey, David, how about that uh, that last lap? Because I, I know that where, wherever I was standing watching it, you know, they went three wide at one point. <laughs> Everybody's like, whoa, when they were coming out, I think, into scoreboard or whatever. What a wild final lap that was. Correct. It was coming into the scoreboard corner. They they were dicing it up through green, came over the hill, and it was three wide into scoreboard. And Pryor was able to make the move <laughs> from third to first just in that corner. And Gabriel was right there, and he got a little bit wide, kind of – not necessarily shoved, but, uh, you know, drifted wide and was, was left to hang out on the, uh, on the rumble strips there and kind of ran out of room when, when, uh, when they got to the end of them. So he, he dropped the wheel in the dirt that allowed Warren to move up into that second spot. And Gabriel fell back to fifth with, as, as Nate said, Dylan Amundsen and Austin years, years coming up to uh fourth, third and fourth. Yeah. Just some good racing in both the, uh, the medium and the light categories. Time for another break folks. When we get back uh, with the more of the race report presented by race lab, senior heavy masters and legends. We'll bang through those three events and we'll tell you uh, who was able to come out victorious. There is no other brand in karting more recognized across the globe than Rotex. Race Rotax is proud to provide the platform for Rotaxians to compete across the U.S. from the grassroots level all the way to the Rotax Grand Finals. The road to Porta Mayo reaches its final stage on the October 7th to 9th weekend with the Rotax U.S. Trophy Final event. Newcastle Motorsports Park in Newcastle, Indiana is the site of this inaugural event, bringing together competitors from the Trophy Series East and Trophy Series West, as well as Rotax racers from Canada, Mexico, and other countries from around the world, all to battle for 12 tickets to the Rotax Grand Finals. The 2022 Rotax Max Challenge Grand Finals will take place in Portimao, Portugal on November 19 to 26 for the 22nd edition of the Olympics of Karting. Visit racerotax.com to learn more about each trophy series program and the trophy final event. Race Rotax, together we ride.
history, success, family. Those are the three words that can describe Comet Cart Sales, one of the longest tenured carting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation located just outside of Indianapolis has provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers in the near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, continually adding new parts to their product line. From full carting packages, new engines, spare or replacement parts, and safety gear, find it all at CometCartSales.com. Their Comet Racing Engine service has won multiple major events and championships over decades of karting and continues to offer the best trackside service in the industry, specializing in IAMI X30, IAMI Swift, and other two-cycle power plants. Make sure to head to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317-462-3413 to be part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network and our 102nd edition of our EKN Debrief, our race report podcast, all part of our EKN trackside coverage. Uh, this race report brought to you by Race Lab, the entire uh, broadcast today, of course, brought to you by Briggs Racing. Uh, we'll go senior heavy masters and legends in this particular segment here. 40 drivers all told in the senior category. Winners uh, that we've seen, Curtis Fox in 2019, Gary Lawson 2020, and Adam Maxwell in 2021. But David, coming out of the gate, top qualifier, one of the four-cycle uh, superstars over the last uh, couple of decades, Sean Meyer on the Coyote, a 113.845, just a bit quicker than Gary Lawson. Eric Fagan, another one of the top guns. Uh, uh, Nick Sobiak as well, and Justin Wishard, your top five. All told, the big guns kind of came out to play. You were in this category as well, David, but uh, guys up front, man, they uh, they were lined up pretty good early on. Yeah, I, I, there wasn't a lot of fanfare uh, in the scale line. I know a couple of times during the heat races, there were there were some discussions going on towards the uh, the front of the scale line. So it was certainly it seemed to be a pretty heated battle throughout All the right. weekend. Uh, with with Eric Fagan actually able to pick up two of the heat wins with Lawson picking up one. So you kind of had to factor that these were the two guys everybody was trying to gun for and try and keep back uh, and out of that top spot throughout the race and uh, especially in the main event. Uh, yeah, the, the the win ends up going to Eric Fagan. He scores the victory uh, from the pole position by just two tenths of a second over uh, Sean Meyer, uh, Adam Maxwell third, Riley Scott fourth, and Lawson wrapping up the top five. Uh, a note you have here, David, that uh, the Riley Scott coming from 14th to fourth, and it was interesting because I had talked to uh, to Jeff Scott, his dad, a bit, and of course we know the Scotts do so well, Quincy in the park. Rock Island, just tremendous four cycle racers. And let's, we'll segue this a bit before we jump into Masters, because this is kind of an interesting part of the racetrack. David, you could talk about it as well. But when I talked to, uh, to Jeff, they've obviously dialed dial in their carts. They know how to go fast anywhere they go, right? They're on the Ionic Edge. Uh, but Jeff told me it was one of the toughest tracks that they've ever had to get their cart dialed in for. They eventually got there. They were all very quick by the end of the weekend. But man, just with the tires, with the way the rubber was going down, uh, trying to find that particular line, they said they struggled. And it wasn't until the very end, David, until they really got that ionic edge dialed in. And at that point, Riley was able to move forward. Well, that's one of the things we talked about in the paddock pass with, you know, no rain. You know, I think, uh, you know, they do a lot of street racing. When you do a lot of street racing, you go from a very green racetrack to maybe something that has some rubber laid down to where 
this was, you know, a track getting rubbered laid down every single session, you know, with the, with the Vega tire, the way it is, it's a little bit softer than, than, than some may even say it's just as soft as the yellow MG yellow, if not softer. So, um, when you keep laying down rubber and the grip keeps going and going, uh, you got to start possibly maybe freeing up the chassis because you're too bound up or you're too overstuck. So I'm not sure exactly. I didn't get into uh, setup discussions with Riley being a, a competitor, but uh, <laughs> um, I would assume it had to be maybe possibly something in, in that line of, of chassis setup. I'm not sure. I'm not saying that's what he told me, but I'm just from the outside looking in, that could be possibly one of them. I know for me, you know, I thought maybe at one time I was possibly overstuck. So maybe to try and free up the cart right a little up. bit more because yeah. again, free is fast. So um, you definitely don't want to be two wheeling uh, a cart around Newcastle Motorsports Park when everything's about momentum. That's it. That's true. You got to be on the throttle. It's a very, very quick racetrack. I almost called it like the Daytona to, to a certain extent for four cycle because you're flat out a lot, a lot of that racetrack. Uh, Nate, let's let you take point on the Masters category. 46 drivers in Masters. Former winners include Michael Welsh, two-time winner early on. Nick Tucker won back in 19. Brandon Adkins dominated in 2020. And Michael Dittmer, uh, the defending race winner in the Masters category. Eric Fagan, we talked about the fact that he was able to get the victory uh, in the senior heavy class. He also came out of the gate as the fastest driver qualifying for Masters. Yeah, like you said, he was on pole for Friday qualifying. Jeff Shaw, Mark Steele, Todd Barron, and Grant Zimmerman behind all five of them really having a shot throughout the heat races from what I saw for the win on Sunday. Heat races went to Steele, Cassidy, and Cassidy. Steele is the game that disqualified in heat two. So the grid, Ryan Cassidy, who we talked about before. No, we haven't talked about Ryan Cassidy. Before. He'll be in the next That's one. the he next class to come. Yeah. Not what I said there. But, st- okay, so grid, Cassidy, Shaw, Barron, Bradford, Dittmer. Again, I talked to... Uh, Dave Mack up in the announcing booth about this. It was just, it. we talked about the all-star lineup for medium and kind of the younger all-stars in terms of the older generation and that crowd. Masters was a who's who of four cycle racing. We saw that yeah, no doubt. <laughs> throughout the weekend with some incredible racing from them. Um, in the end, Eric Fagan did get his second win on the weekend. The only driver to take two wins on the weekend on that MGM chassis beating out Michael Dittmer by four-tenths of a second at the line, and Jeff Shaw, Ryan Cassidy, coming, making up the top four. And then Jacob Neary, I believe I'm saying that right. Um, obviously, Fagan starting ninth, not an easy race for him, but he did come back. Mark Steele started 27th and came back to sixth in that 16-lap feature on Sunday. Hey, question for you, David. Fagan starting ninth. Is that the deepest we had for a winner? A starting spot for a winner, you think? Uh, looking at it for, from the weekend, yeah. I, I believe all the rest of the winners started within the, the top five. Uh, front, Fagan, right? Fagan started on the pole in senior heavy, so that was uh, that was a little bit of an easier one <laughs> for him there <laughs> as well. Prior started fourth in senior light, and then you had uh, Mick Gabriel starting second in senior medium and i want to say the one the categories we're going to talk about later they were all starting in the uh, in the top five as yeah, well too yeah so good run from the outside or from the inside of room number five to be able to get through it and and run his way over through what is again a 16 16 lap main event lots of time to get forward 
Uh, obviously, Fagan coming from ninth, and Mark Steele, a great drive from 27th up into sixth. So, excellent drive for Mark. Did he run three classes on the weekend? I think Who's he that? ran uh, Mark Steele. Did he run medium, heavy, and masters? If I recall, I'm I'm pretty sure I saw him out there in medium as well That's too. Right so on. I know he ran senior, heavy, and masters. So probably senior light. I can tell you where he finished because I'm pretty sure he made the main event there uh, in the senior, right? Senior medium is what we're asking for. Yeah. yeah senior yeah. medium. Um, scrolling down 29th. Yeah. So, he was hustling yeah. his ass off. I know he was running back and forth from the grid. Quite, quite that would explain why we didn't get to talk to him much. Yeah. He, he, well, he had one of them was back to back too. I think he came over, parked the cart, right? And just ran to the next cart and jumped back in and kept going. So. Uh, anyways, great weekend for Mark, uh, as always. Uh, let's do the Legends category. 50 years of age and older, 58 drivers in total. They launched this category last year. Uh, Todd Barron scored the big win. Of course, Barron, uh, South champion for this year, right? Cup Cards North America South champion. Is that right, Dave? I'm sorry, say that again. Todd Barron, South champion for Cup Cards yeah, North Yeah, Todd Barron was South champion. Ryan yeah. Cassidy, the uh, the North champion. So And Matthew Demers, is the Canadian champion in the category. But, oh, that's Masters. He's in Masters. Masters, yes. They had uh, no le- I don't think they had legends in Canada this year. The bottom line is this on this particular class, legends. It was all about Ryan Cassidy. He uh, essentially won uh, all four sessions, or five sessions. Qualified on the pole with a 114.702. Uh, all three heat races started on pole and in talking to James Perkins afterwards, he said, there's nothing I could do. Perkins ran second. He just said, Cassie never made a single error that I could capitalize on. Yeah. And we thought it was going to be barren. We did uh, until a little bit of contact, uh, flat uh, deflated rear tire, I believe it was. Uh, so he only could last a couple of laps before it, uh, the handling went away and the air went and left the tire as well too. So unfortunate DNF for, for Baron, who was, you know, looking to be a, uh, a back-to-back winner in this category. So it, we thought it was going to be those two that were going to be battling up front, but it ended up being three drivers with, uh, with Perkins and Eli Yanko sitting right there on Cassie's bumper the entire time. But again, as you said, Nobody made any move. Nobody made any mistakes. And I think that was the biggest uh, element in the uh, in the way the race shaped out is is all three ran pretty similar pace uh, throughout the 16 laps. And, uh, and Cassidy just just was a machine all weekend to be able to race legends, masters. And I believe he also raced. Uh, was it lights or medium? Not sure. I thought he did three. Maybe it was just the two that he did. But, um, you know, we've seen him win medium uh, at Cup Carts North America North uh, program. So, I mean, Cassidy was just a machine uh, on the weekend. So those were the top three drivers. And then I'll let you kind of talk about uh, since, you know, you were kind of in the mix. Uh, what happened with uh, with fourth and fifth during the main event? Yeah, you know what? I, obviously, I started 14th and, and kind of got through the field. I hooked up with DJ Ortiz like I was going to. It was kind of our plan at one point, but DJ didn't quite have the pace we needed to move forward. I was able to slip by him, but really the guy I think we were trying to focus fall coming through with was John O'Keefe. He started right in front of me in 12th, uh, but man, he is fast. He qualified second, and I knew he was going to be quick. He kind of made the hole going through, passing everybody on the way through. And for, for John and I, we, I think we both kind of benefited a little bit with the fact that uh, – um, there was contact between Jamie MacArthur and James Insco um, on uh, camera, which, which lap that was. It was really late in the going. Uh, I was able, we were both able to slide through, and and yeah, O'Keefe ends up getting fourth. I finished fifth. So all in all, a, a pretty solid weekend. I was, we were actually 
We were actually fifth and sixth on the racetrack, I believe. Uh, but Jamie got the penalty for the contact with James, who had fallen back and had moved them back, I think, to, to sixth and seventh in the order or eighth and ninth or something like that. Sixth but, and seventh. Yeah, James ended seventh. up yeah. classified in the sixth spot, Jamie in the seventh position. Uh, yeah, it was uh, O'Keefe who was able to cross the line in fourth because it was MacArthur that was just ahead of you in fifth. Yeah, so I think I think O'Keefe was able to get uh, James was uh, was able to get both uh, MacArthur and Insco when they got mm-hmm. together because because mm-hmm. because James Insco didn't go all the way off track; he was kind of four wheels off and kind of jumped right back on. I, we were able to just sneak Correct. through. So yeah. yeah. All in all, uh, a, a decent weekend for me to, to finish up P5. But Cassidy was really the guy to beat. Really impressive. Again, just it, the guy's a veteran, right? He's one of the, he's, a, he's a legend in the legends class. Let's put, it, let's put it that way. Yeah. Again, he's a machine. The guy That's was it. just, you know, r- cranking out fast laps after fast laps and, and consistent. And I think that was the key. Uh, to be able to stay up front all 16 laps in that main event. All right, another break, folks. When we get back on the race report brought to you by Race Lab, we'll have Junior, Sportsman, and Kid Cart. We'll cap up the race report section after this quick break. Established in 1999, PSL Karting has become a powerhouse within the karting industry for North America and around the world. PSL Karting is your complete source for all Burrell Art products as the North American importer providing this top quality product through both their expansive dealer network or through the pslcarding.com online store. Whatever you need is available 24-7 online, including safety gear, parts, components, and full carding packages. All three brands, Morel Art, Ricardo Kart, and Charles Leclerc Karts are in stock and ready to hit the track. Grab your winning chassis for any category by visiting pslcarding.com to find your nearest dealer. PSL Karting is always looking for interest in new dealers and teams to help create new business relationships. Drivers looking to take their talents to the next level can join the Burrell Art North America race team competing at all the major U.S. and Canadian events this season. When you're ready to win, go with PSL Karting. In racing, experience is priceless. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience and we can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. Check out our online store at www.franklincart.com where all our products are just a mouse click away. We're constantly adding to the growing product selection on the online store, and we ship daily to ensure products get to you quickly. We specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, ceramic products, driveline branded products, Briggs & Stratton engines, OTK products, and of course, the championship winning Merlin chassis. In our online store, you'll find a variety of items to fill your karting needs. Franklin Motorsports is also known for our wide variety of services and is home to innovative engine works by FMS our in-house engine service department. Frame straightening, cart prep, and dyno testing are all services offered regularly at Franklin Motorsports. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. Welcome back up episode 102 of our EKN Debrief. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole and Nate Dean as we dive into the Cup Carts North America Grand National 6 event from Newcastle this past weekend. 
uh, right at the end of September, start of October. Let's jump into junior, guys. Uh, 51 entries all total for junior. Former winners, including Elijah Skaggs, Alexander Searle, Logan Adams, Brent Cruz, and James Overbeck, who we've been talking about as a front-running senior here in 2022, last year's winner in the junior category. David, uh, Eli Warren, a former eCardi News Driver of the Month, coming out of the gate and was really in the fight all weekend long. Yeah, when you set fast time in qualifying, that kind of puts the bullseye on your back as he was able to post a 114.027 lap time to set uh, to be the top qualifier uh, in the session. Kale Zimmerman in the second spot ahead of Spencer Conrad, Henry Wheeler, and Jace Petty as the fast five in qualifying. When it came down to heat races, however, uh, multiple of different winners, aside from one who won all three of his heat races, that was Spencer Conrad winning all three of his heat races to be able to earn the pole position for the main event with Cade Yeager, Reagan Seville, and Malachi Height, all different winners in the heat races. So a bit of a mix up there, aside from Conrad, as he secured the pole position for the main event. Eli Warren was consistent enough to be second, so they filled up the front two or the front two positions on the front row. Addison Ionello in third and Christopher McKeithen in fourth. So that was your two front two rows for the main event, which was the first of the weekend. The junior category was positioned as a first class uh, on the schedule. So it was the first main event. And let me tell you that that fence line, oh. when you looked around the racetrack was full of people watching for that, that start. Yeah, we were up next in the Legends class, and we were all out of our carts watching the final lap because, David, they were <laughs> they were lined up. There was a good group out front, three three drivers essentially in the lead fight. Addison Ionello leads the final lap. She's going for the big win. You, know, you can hear people cheering for her on the sidelines. It came down to a drag race to the line, and it ended up being 38 thousandths of a second. Eli Warren somehow still coming out with the win. Yeah, it was three wide at the finish, you know, uh, Ionello, she had a pretty good final lap, kept everybody at bay, kept everybody at bay. They came around the last corner. I don't think she made, she went to the middle of the racetrack. That might be the only mistake she made. I think either the full run to the bottom of the racetrack yep. might have slowed up Eli just enough, possibly, or made it, might, you know, a little bit of contact maybe between Conrad and Eli. You never know. But she went to the middle. And so that allowed Eli to drive right to the the down to the inside, and Spencer Conrad took the took the outside route. So it was three wide coming to the line. Nate got a great photo of it uh, with uh, with uh, Warren able to uh, to cross first uh, for the victory, which you know again was an amazing run. Great clean racing. A lot of different drivers were in the mix there early on in that lead pack. So it was it was certainly a fun one to watch and. And now we're still, I, as the race was going on and she was racing there, I'm like, we might have our first time female winner at this event. Well, that's what I was thinking too on the last lap. I even thought when she came out onto the front straightaway, if she just pulled all the way down to the inside, that may have been an opportunity, but maybe not. Warren had, you don't know. You know yeah, again, like, so Warren <laughs> we're had playing Monday morning or Tuesday afternoon quarterback right that's now. That's very true. Uh, <laughs> top five on the podium, Eli Warren, Addison Ionello, Conrad Wheeler, McKeith, and rounding out the top five. Great way to start off the eight main events on Sunday afternoon. That was a, a lot of fun to watch. Let's go into sportsman now. 55 drivers in total. Your former winners, uh, Arrington Grimm, Caden Fretwell, Logan Adams, Ben Mayer, and Keelan Harvick. Winners of the first five events. 
uh, Grimm winning in both 17 and 19. Uh, but Nate, uh, Josie Chambers coming out of the gate, quickest driver in qualifying. He had a late mull and Holton Harder. Uh, this would be interesting as well as really only three, what, four drivers being able to get heat race victories. Yeah, with all of the races and classes we saw this weekend, you couldn't, going into Sunday, you couldn't really pick who was going to win. There was a handful of drivers who all showed pace at different times throughout the weekend who all seemed like they had a really good shot at it. Uh, Shad, Wargo, uh, Shad gained another win, and then Malkuet and Harder all getting heat wins, so it was still up in the air going into the final. Brady Shad was on pole next to Derek Wargo, and then Holden Harder, Malkuet, and Chambers were your top five going into the 16-lap main event on Sunday. In the end, by two hundredths of a second after a drag race to the line that we saw so many times this weekend, uh, last month's Ecan Driver of the Month, Isaac Malkuet took the win over Wargo. Landon Buer came in third, then it was Shad and Chambers fifth up. Uh, Malkuet was 21st in qualifying and he came back throughout the weekend. He was struggling through pay for pace at the start of it, but throughout the weekend, throughout the heat races, he found that and obviously getting his first, I believe, Grand Nats win for him. Yeah. And he and Wargo were one, two by lap five of heat one. So David, there you go. If you qualify 21st, you're not done yet. <laughs> you're still no, in the you're fight, not. right? You're still yeah. in the fight. You got to keep digging. Well, but you also, you know, you have the talent and skill that Ike has. Uh, it's certainly a possibility that you yeah. still have to have that. And because he coming into the weekend, you know, he was one of the favorites. You know, he came in as a, a podium finisher last year, uh, you know, so looking to be back on the podium again, you know, was one of the favorites. So, yeah, again, not quite. You can always work. That's the great thing about heat races. And because it was progressive. He didn't have to start back at that same position throughout heat races. So he got that first one done with got to move up, uh, you know, through that heat race and then be able to pull off two more victories after yeah. that or two heat wins to move himself up into, I believe it was what did we be yeah, fourth spot. He started the main event for. So, you know, again, him and Wargo, they hooked up again, as long as you hook up and, and don't make any dumb moves and, and stay a consistent pace, you're able to break away. And that's exactly what they did. And uh, and Wargo just a little bit short there at the line, but it was a great race between these two drivers. All right, David, let's wrap things up with the kid carts. I'm not sure if you watch this race or not, but uh, 15 drivers in total in kid cart. Brady Shad won back in 17. Jacob Scheibel in 2018. Sawyer Chambers in 19. Summit Rossiter and Camden Clay, the two most recent winners. Uh, but Henrik McKay uh, out of the gate with the fastest lap time of 44.800. I love the standing start that they do <laughs> coming off the grid as well, but. It was just fun to watch these guys out, guys and girls out there having fun. Yeah, and if you haven't watched Kid Cart Briggs racing, they're on the limiter the entire lap. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's it's it really boils down to the drivers who's able to hold it through and uh, not not uh, scrub off too much speed to be quick. Um, uh, Braden Clossy was uh, the driver to pick up all three heat race wins, so it was a good uh, good start to the weekend for him. He led the opening couple of laps, but. Uh, Parker Stewart was able to get around him by I think lap five or lap four. And then from there, Stewart led the remainder of the race to be able to score his first grand nationals victory in the kid cart category. 
Yeah, Liam Four ends up in the third spot. It was uh, Heinrich McKay, who was the fast qualifier in fourth, and Giovanni Florita rounding out the top five. All told, some great racing and kid carts, and those are names that we're going to see, of course, coming up through the ranks. We talked about the fact that Brady Shad had won kid card in 2017. He ended up being on the pole for the main event in Sportsman this year. So these are the drivers we'll be talking about for the next decade running in this Cup Carts North America program. Final break in the action. When we get back, we'll wrap things up. We'll look at the Constructors' Championship, and we'll cap off the show with our ECAN Trackside Live race calendar. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll wrap it all up after the word from these uh, sponsors. Technology, design, and manufacturing. These components make Cart Republic a world champion. The Cart Republic chassis has earned two FIA World Karting Championships. Here in the U.S., the brand has earned multiple victories and championships in senior, junior, and cadet competition. Cartsport North America is the country's importer and distributor for DL Chiesa's Cart Republic chassis, and as a leader in American karting, they are focused on providing stability for the sport and quality products and service for the community. Whether you'd like to find out about the Cart Republic dealer closer to you or schedule an arrive and drive package with an official North American race team, contact Cartsport North America through their official website, www.cartsportna.com. We are Republic. We are one. Powered by technology, DID racing chains have a worldwide reputation for superior quality and reliability. Meticulously engineered and manufactured in Japan, DID Genuine Parts are the world's number one original parts supplier for Japanese and European motorcycle manufacturers. A rich racing tradition where results speak for themselves, DID prides itself on engineering the most technologically advanced chains on the market to help you excel on and off the track. DID's SDH pin treatment creates an extremely hard chromium carbide layer on the pin surface that houses a soft inner core to absorb extreme shock loads. DID's 219 HTZ racing chain boasts this SDH pin technology, which leads to longer chain life as well as excellent energy transmission to the wheels. Available in the gorgeous gold, the 219 HTZ is the ultimate racing kart chain. Pick up a DID chain at your local dealer today, because when winning is the only thing that matters, go with DID. Welcome back to the final segment here of the EKN Debrief number 102 as we do our race report from the Cup Carts North America Grand National 6 from Newcastle Motorsports Park, September 29th to October the 2nd, 2022. Rob Howden, David Cole, and Nate Deem to wrap things up. All right, boys, speaking of wrap-up, what do you got here? What are your thoughts to, to cap off the event and the show? Well, for me, it was a discussion about racecraft. Obviously, that's uh, when you talk about lower horsepower racing and and how, as you said, the Talladega style racing or Daytona style racing that you have with the big draft packs and and such. You, you talk about some of the uh, the racecraft, and one of the biggest issues was obviously holding the outside line. They they didn't uh, they allowed racers to do it, and they they sometimes penalize the person on the inside for trying to own the corner. So there's a little bit of discussion about that uh, going throughout the paddock. So, you know, we'll see if they continue with that 
style of officiating uh, in the future. But also I was asking people about pushback is, is, you know, our, yeah, obviously the purist in, in four cycle racing might not want to see pushback bumpers come in. Um, you know, you look at the starts, I think we had pretty clean starts. Uh, we had no major issues. I think senior light was the only one that we saw uh, a big pile up uh, at the start. We, I think we had a couple maybe in the, in the heat races as well in the senior categories. But again, you know, a person gets sideways and you have just nowhere to go. And that's, that's kind of part of part of racing and you kind of hard to stop that. So I don't know if we need the pushback necessarily for the starts, but you know, there was multiple times where you would see drivers coming from five cart lakes deep and just plow into the, either the back or the side of somebody and, and move them out of the racing line. So still, you know, I think it's just going to be discussion. I don't think uh, CKNA officials are even looking at that and, and, and probably not a possibility, but uh, you know, it's just, just, it's always, you know, after the event and certainly the era that we're in, it's something to talk about. You know what? You, you mentioned the holding the outside thing too. And I find it really, my, my second year running, my second time running the grand nationals, David, you'll remember back in 2019 um, when I, a couple, I think one guy got inside me in turn five, right? The left-hander um, at the end of the shoot between four and five there. And I tried to hold the outside, right? I, I tried to hold it. I tried to hold it. And of course he's coming in. The other guy was coming in behind him. And I went four wheels off, right? Because mm-hmm. he, he was going to the, like he came through, he was going to the outside and I went off. This time, um, it happened to me again, but I, I checked up. I'm like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not doing this again because I can't remember who it was that came in and Ryan Cassidy came in with him. We watched it on the video um, on, I think it was Friday night or whenever when we watched it when I was having trouble hitting all the curbs. Um, <laughs> but it was, I was a change in my approach. And it, it's, it saved me. Those two guys came through like rockets, right? I knew Cassie was coming through and I tucked back in. Um, and I think that might've been just during a practice session, but I just tucked back in. And that was, mm-hmm. that's it, that, because you'd reminded me of me going off when, when I, I was trying to hold the guy off and it, it, it changed, it, it saved that, it saved that session for me. I didn't go off. So that was, yeah. And that's that the two cycle guys talked a lot about that. We talked to, right. It's, it's wild that these, everybody wants to hold the outside all the time. Yeah, I, I, I'm still trying to to figure it out. Uh, I, I'm trying, I as well got passed probably more than anybody in the whole weekend. But um, <laughs> every time I did, it was to try and tuck back in. Yeah, back I might have lost a little bit of pace, but but it was always, I didn't want to hold the outside with the fear of getting knocked off the racetrack by the guy on the inside because they're not going to call, call yeah. that every single time. And, and if and they didn't even call it the one time I did get put off. So um, actually I got put off twice, but they did call one of them. Uh, but so you, you don't know. So it's, you know, again, lose that corner fight for the next one. Yep, yep. And so that's always the mentality of racing. What I think is racing going into this weekend. So I still, I don't understand the holding the outside uh, as, as, as proper racing. I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. It's always the race for the apex, right? That's yeah. really, we always say that's what we've talked about. It comes down to that. You, you race somebody for the apex. Um, what do you hear about race layout, track layout, David? It's been, they've run the, they've run the layout that they have here before. It's the same one I ran back in 2019. Are you hearing anybody asking about potentially something different? No, I, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, they ran it uh, the first three years, right? How many years? No, first two years. I mean, I'm trying to think back now. Um, first four years. Grand Nationals five, we had the the ski jump, 
And now Grand National That's 6, right. we went back to what is the the uh, layout 43 or whatever they call it. So it's been the same layout for five of the six years. So I'm just wondering, you know, re- when talking to people about the layout, they're like, man, I really was hoping they would go reverse. So I think competitor wise, I think a change in the layout is is what they were hoping for. And so maybe next year for, for Grand National 7, you know, possibly again, because we can start planning for it now. We, I mean, and we might as well. Uh, let's look at, can we do the reverse layout? I think it might change some things up a little bit. Um, maybe present a couple more passing opportunities because of, uh, you know, uh, uh, slower in corners, possibly. I'm not sure because I've never driven the reverse layout. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of hoping for it because I'd like to train. I like. I like change. I like to uh, to see different uh, different layouts. And yeah. with Newcastle Motorsports Park, you have completely different layouts. I'm wondering, you know, Nate, you've been there a bunch of times. What you know, is it? Do we do full national? Do we do reverse? Do we go back to doing the ski jump? I'm wondering what. I know you haven't seen all the different layouts, but you've you've raced there enough times. What's uh, what's kind of your thoughts going in for next year? Yeah, I mean it's. It's one of those things that, yeah, people will like to see change, but it's not a big underlining issue with the event. It's a good layout. It works. There are some other things in other places that maybe they could focus on to make the event better instead of changing a proven track layout. I think if they were to change it, going the full layout, getting rid of the cutout and the Monza and going backwards would make for some interesting racing. And I think it would be worth the experiment for Grand National 7 for with... I mean, you guys talked about the ski jump. I personally don't really like that layout too much. If we really want to go something radical, they have the oval outside the scale house. We can always do that (laughs) one year. But yeah, I think if we're going to try something, let's try backwards full track. Uh, All right, Dave. I I teased about the fact that I heard somebody mention Cup Carts North America Northeast. Uh, You and I tried to talk to Greg Jasperson a little bit about it at the very end of the weekend when he was kind of out of gas. Uh, what's the common 2023 for CKNA and the Grand National 7? Anything big you hear or or what are your thoughts? Yeah, they're going to be working on getting a, a 2023 calendar out there soon. Obviously, last year when we were at the event, they had next, you know, 2022 calendar set and ready to go. Yep. So they're still kind of tweaking some things. So I would expect to hear something within the next week or two, possibly to uh, to kind of confirm, you know, the South program the North program and of course the grand nationals and, or any other events that they're going to be hosting. Um, you know, so we're really waiting to see if they're going to have a winter nationals or not, and possibly, you know, come back with a spring nationals as well too. Well, let's have a look at the constructors championships, uh, seven brands, all total, uh, getting race wins, David on the weekend, uh, for the, for the eight main events, uh, all, all told MGM out of the gate wins with two wins. They are tops of the least with two victories. Yep. Sorry. I just lost my screen. Um, there we go. Uh, yeah. MGM with, uh, the two victories with Eric Fagan. So that, uh, helped to put them on top because it was a pretty diverse, uh, yeah. uh, field in terms of re- uh, chassis winners on the weekend. Uh, we got EOS with the McGabriel victory, Jordan Pryor getting Burrell art, a victory coyote with, uh, with Ryan Cassidy, Red Speed with Eli Warren in the junior category, Cart Republic with Ike Malcutt and Nitro Cart with Parker Stewart in the Kid Cart division. 
Yeah, all told, uh, again, a couple of different uh, wins for American-made chassis, a couple for the OTK brand, but all told, a pretty good spread in terms of the drivers or the, the manufacturers able to get wins. All right, let's cap things off, and we'll have a look at where we're going for the remainder of the year. The EK and Trackside Live Race calendar presented by CRG Nordam. CRG is one of the most iconic brands in karting, and we're primed and ready with new material and a never-ending focus on winning. CRG Nordam is the North American distributor for all CRG products. Based outside Houston, Texas, CRG Nordam supports CRG dealers across the continent, reaching every corner of North America. Check out the new CRG KT5 for tag and shift racing, the Black Mirror for cadet competition, and the FS4 for Briggs. Longtime CRG drivers will be happy to know that the CRG Road Rebel, the standard in quality and performance, is still available. For more information on the CRG product line, head to www.cartcrg.com or to inquire about a North American dealer near you, please email us at info at cartcrg-nordam.com. All right, DC, uh, crazy to think we roll in here to Q4 of the season, and there's only two races that remain on the docket. October 7th, 8th, and 9th, this coming weekend, the Rotax U.S. Trophy Final at Newcastle Motorsports Parks. I'm still here. I didn't leave. I'm still in the Airbnb. I'll see you probably on Thursday. We got Rotax Team USA members uh, to get locked in and some open tickets still available as well. Yeah, I was going to say, not just Team USA could yeah. possibly be uh, drivers from different countries winning tickets to what is the Olympics of karting, the Rotax Grand Finals. So we get to, again, it's most one of the most unique events you'll ever attend. And the awarding of those tickets is certainly memorable. And we'll be able to see 12 different drivers earn tickets to compete at that event uh, this weekend at Newcastle Motorsports Park. So, uh, mini, micro, master, junior, and senior categories all racing for tickets and uh, should be a good one. J3 competition and race Rotax. They do a great job with promotion and, and event coordination. We're going to have a solid race staff and we're going to have a lot of great contenders racing for victory and for tickets on the weekend. Yeah, full EKN Trackside Live. I look forward to being on the mic there. We'll have the live broadcast on the EKN radio network on the, down, on the app, the downloadable app. You can also follow on ecartynews.com slash live. And then guys, we'll, we'll, all three of us will be back together. The granddaddy of them all, the 25th running of the Supercarts USA Super Nationals at the Rio All Suite Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, November 16th, the 20th. We'll cap off the season there. Just crazy to me to think this is the 25th Super Nationals. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be historic. That is for sure. It, uh, it's going to be one for the memory bank. You know, we just saw Supercards USA and iInnovation I with Chris Ortenberger putting up the, the poster. Uh, those are, again, things you need to have in your garage or your man cave to uh, to have framed up and put up on the wall. So that's, you know, that when it, when you see the poster, you know, now we're getting in the colder months. You're thinking, man, I need to warm up. What better way than going to Las Vegas? <laughs> so, yeah, right. Um, yeah, just uh, excited. You know, it's it's still over a month away, but uh, yeah, counting down the days to be able to be trackside once again at the Rio. Yeah, I'll just throw one out here for the for all the guys in KA100 uh, when we in the Masters category, getting that put together because I'll, I'll obviously be racing in the Masters class. Uh, I know could be past this now, but I know last time I checked, but about, about a week ago we were at 44. So a full field for KA100 Master. They opened up shifter it's going to be massive as well the numbers for this year is are going to be just absolutely insane yeah the the, the pro shifter category with 88 drivers i mean we've 
we've never had this amount of of drivers since the old school days of yeah. of of when you guys were at the the rock pile so since i've been going in 2004 we haven't had the these kind of numbers in in the headline shifter category uh ever so uh so that's going to be an exciting part watching that lcq at night under the lights is going to be phenomenal <laughs> i can't yeah, wait to see I mean, that but just because again, there's going to be so many different uh, drivers in, in in the hunt because there's going to be so many big names there. And then all the other different categories, you know, we're literally almost sold. I think they're almost sold out uh, for every single category uh, aside from, I think, Master Shifter. But even there, they're going to have 20 to 30 guys that are going to be uh, going tooth and nail trying to get that victory. So now, I, I, they, they sent me a text. I'm trying to find who, who I can't find the text somewhere. I, I, Master Shifter is already over 30. It's yeah, like, he, it's, it's 30, 31. Years. So yeah, yeah thir- sorry. I have the number. Yeah. I have the numbers unofficial numbers. Yeah, uh, 31 there. KZ is at 82 X 30 master at 41. So that's going to be sold out here. X 30 senior at 76. KA master at 44 and then KA senior already at 90. So, you know, they're going to have some drivers on the wait list. That's amazing. So yeah, look for a, a, maybe an update, maybe next week. Obviously we're busy at the Rotax event here this weekend, but next week, late next week, we will bang out something with scoozers to kind of like give people an update of where we are numbers wise, because it's just going to be amazing. Uh, Nate Dean, what are your thoughts heading to super Nats with us this year? Hearing the numbers, it's a bit of a step back. This is <laughs> the years I've been there, it was we're still like getting up there with not record numbers, and I still we're not there yet this year, but a lot of competition, a lot of big names going there as usual. I think one story that's being pushed up by Scusa a lot is the amount of Australians that are coming over. So it yeah. should be good to see the Aussies back in Vegas, see what they can do, and really looking forward to getting back to Vegas. Well, we're all ready for that one for sure. That'll cap off our EKN Trackside Live program for the 2022 season. Of course, uh, Car Chase will be doing the broadcast. I'll be with them. We'll have all of our coverage there as usual. I'm looking forward to announcing my 25th edition of the event, plus getting a chance to get behind the wheel to cross a bucket list off of my personal uh, racing career as well, get that uh, super national started. Looking forward to it, running with Rawlison Performance Group. But guys, this one was all about the Cup Carts North America Grand National Six. What a tremendous event. The biggest four-cycle sprint race uh, in North America. The biggest Briggs-only race in the world. What a tremendous run it was uh, for everyone there. What a tremendous job by the, by Greg Jasperson and his crew and his, his partner, Steve Vermeer, and, and everybody's a part of CKNA. What a weekend for sure. And onward and upward, right? Another increase. They're looking to hopefully hit 100, uh, 450 entries next year. Uh, again, just always just fine tuning the event, the uh, prize table pack, the amount of stuff they gave away was ridiculous. It's just a tremendous weekend for anybody uh, who loves Briggs for cycle racing. We're done for this edition of the debrief. Thank you so much for tuning in on behalf of Nate Dean and David Cole. My name's Rob Howden. Bye for now.